It started off as a, why can't I do this? And it really mutated to, we should be able to do this. And there is really no reason why not. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Led You Here, a podcast where global leaders talk about their journey, how they find the edge to succeed in a world that's getting faster, more complex, and less predictable all the time. I'm Steve Vamos, CEO of Zero and the host of this podcast. I've spent the last 40 years in the technology industry where time and again, I've witnessed how success or failure hinges on a single leader, a single person's ability to manage change, to lead change and overcome moments of fear and doubt. In this podcast, I talk to guests who've embraced change, made sacrifices, and really demonstrated belief in their ideas. And today, I'm really pleased to be coming from ZeroCon Sydney with a guest who may not be a technology industry leader yet, but someone who, as an individual, has shown incredible courage very young age to stand up for what's right and really not to take no for an answer to make an incredibly important change a real innovator in that context and i think like me you'll be in awe of this guest connor mcleod connor blind from birth started a petition to the australian government to introduce tactile banknotes and when he was initially brushed off he continued to lobby mps lodged a formal complaint to the human rights commission even went to Canberra with his mum to deliver his petition with 57,000 signatures. He was just 12 years old at the time. His campaign was successful and starting in 2016, new banknotes were introduced with tactile markings on the side, letting blind or vision impaired people quickly identify its value. He has just left the stage here at Zerocon. Over three and a half thousand people were absolutely enthralled by his story about his resilience, independence, and just being steadfast in his beliefs. So pleased to hear his story about how receiving a Christmas present at the age of 12 forever changed Australia's currency. Welcome, Connor. Thanks for joining us at ZeroCon Sydney. As I said, the audience loved your speech on the main stage, and I'm really pleased to have you join us here on the podcast. Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know, as I just said, at age 12, you decided things weren't right and you were going to take action against something that needed to happen and or needed to change. Tell us uh, what inspired you to start the journey of a petition to the Australian government to introduce tactile banknotes. So, as you said, the very first part of that for me was when I got money as a gift from relatives and I couldn't tell how much had been given. So, in that sense, the very, very start of the idea was born from a notion that I myself couldn't manage something that plenty of other people could do. And that was something that sort of I'd been taught to see how I could overcome from a very young age. Um, I had a couple of other times, big or small, where, you know, I was told you can't do this or you can't do that because you can't see. And most of those times, a couple of them were safety reasons, fair enough. But, you know, a, a good lot of those times were just due primarily based on how much people didn't know about vision impairment and the capabilities of people like myself who have a vision impairment or are totally blind. And so a lot of the time it was just based around education of them and and working out an accessible alternative. Um, But with this, obviously the accessible alternative was quite quite a lot bigger. Um, So it started out sort of with the same kind of mindset that I'd approached a lot of other things with. It was everyone else can do this why can't i why can't we and as the campaign progressed i got so much support from other blind and vision impaired folks around australia that i just i knew i'd I'd made the right call i just i knew 
someone had to do it and that that person was apparently me because I sort of was the first one to stand up and go, well, hold on, what's going on here? What can we do about it? It started off as a, why can't I do this? And it really mutated to, we should be able to do this. And there is really no reason why not. I mean, everything you talk about is just a real tribute to your leadership attributes. How much of your inspiration comes from, in a sense, growing up and having, you know, the wonderful uh, parents that you obviously have? Uh, I can attribute most of that to them, to be honest. They were always the ones who taught me to, to advocate for myself, um, to speak up, to bring, to, to not sit back and, and take no when I had a reasonable idea that yes should be the right answer and to go looking for the reasons why the, the answer was no and to see and to think about what could change that to a yes. So I can very much attribute anything in terms of me pushing for the betterment of myself and, and for others to my fantastic parents because they were really the ones who taught me those. Oh, it's the encouragement, really. Yeah, it's just well, that it was, belief. It was the encouragement, the, the belief, but also the drive to do that yeah. because they were the ones who taught me that if I didn't, there's a high chance that no one else would think to. Yeah. So I just had to. Hey, one thing you said uh, on stage that really resonated with me was that people in your situation are not limited by what you can do, but limited by the way others think about them. Talk a little bit more about that because, you know, when we talk about being open-minded, all of us needing to be more open-minded every day at work to embrace what this world is now really all about. I'm really fascinated by your observation there. As you mentioned earlier, what I said was something along the lines of, the majority of limitations that I've found are those who are placed on me by others. Now, others can be individuals or they can be a group or a society. Um, I found that a lot of things that I can't do are due to the fact that a societal shift towards inclusion hasn't been made yet. I found that a lot of things, reasons people give that I can't do things are because they just don't know that I can or that the group they represent does not think I can or doesn't know that I should be able to, or even that society as a whole has this this sort of notion that this as a disability, uh, being vision impairment, would implicitly say that I can't do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. The majority of the time, it's a case of what can we do to change this? Sometimes it really is, as I said earlier, a, a bit of a matter of safety where, you know, it's it's just not feasible, but that is a lot rarer than a lot of people would tend to think. And so like, I, for example, I've had a lot of people look at, at me quite, quite oddly when I'm doing um, just regular orientation and mobility training, which, you know, could entail crossing a street. And everyone looks at the O&M instructor who has just sent me across the road by myself. They look at them like they're some sort of alien. You know what I mean? What have you done to this young man here? He's, he's gonna get hit. Well. Why? I can hear cars coming the majority of the time and the cars that I can't hear coming n need to have something done about that um, because obviously with the uh, emergence of ele more electronic cars, it, a lot of the sound has gone um, from them and they, some people you know, aim to make cars really quiet. And to be honest, when they're going very slow, they're, they're nearly dead silent, especially on a busy road, just as, as this example. So that would be a call for general safety because a lot of sighted people also use their hearing in combination with their sight for road safety. I just rely on that a little more and, you know, road safety for me, it, it's not too much, too much more dangerous than it is for your average Joe, really. That's true, really, when you think about it. I mean, most people who have been hit by cars 
you know, had their vision, right? It's um, and they're distracted, not looking in the right direction. Yeah, it's fascinating. Just unlucky, you know what I mean? It can happen to us as well. I've found that there's once you know what you're doing, there's really no more risk inherent in it. It's really interesting because your, your observations there really go to this whole area of the fact that in our actions, we can unconsciously or unnecessarily limit someone when. The truth is we ought to be thinking with a much more encouraging mindset uh, about what's possible rather than the way maybe we're more conditioned to. So it's, it's fascinating. And one of the areas where you, you talked about having activated was just in your passion for athletics and sport, right? You wanted to participate in some sports and others put limitations on you that, again, you, have, you were successful in overcoming. Do you want to talk about that? That's the same sort of idea, really, is it, as a sort of general societal idea that a blind person running is a blind person in danger just because oh he can't see where he's going he's going to trip he's going to fall he's going to he's going to hurt himself you know what i mean it's it's the instinctive panic reaction to go oh this is our responsibility to keep him safe well yes it is um hence and what we did with that whole situation was i had something called a sighted guide now i suppose that doesn't really need too much explanation but for this it will because it's a little different ordinarily um, what a sighted guide will do is hold out their elbow to me and I'll simply grab onto their, hold onto their elbow or, or even put the back of my hand on their elbow and just follow them around. As a side note, don't grab people to guide them. That <laughs> happens very often. Um, ask them if they would like to hold your elbow. It gives them the ability to then let go if they don't feel safe. Right. That's honestly the biggest piece of information I can give you. Always give them the choice because they might know where they're going even if you think they're heading for a wall. Uh-huh. Um, but back to the topic, the sighted guide for competitive running uses, uses something called a tether. And it's honestly, we made a, a homemade one, bit of rope, two bits of hose, bit of sticky tape. Um, and so we held on to one end of the rope each and they sort of guided me, kept me on the right path and the running, but they don't, you know, obviously they they aren't allowed to help me with in terms of speed and stuff. Like we're holding onto the elbow, you know, it's a bit easy to get dragged. <laughs> yeah, good on you. So that was one of the major, major arguments against that at the time. Um, but there was already, I think, somewhere else a precedent for fixing that particular issue. So that's what we brought to them. But just in general that they thought, they seemed to think the safety was the issue. But if I have a sighted guide with me, especially one who knows what they're doing, then that risk is very much taken away. So really there's no reason from a, even from a societal point of view, that there should be this limitation, but because of the the biases and the, just the unconscious biases, mostly are the, the bigger issues that we have to tackle and go, look, I can understand how you come to this, but it's just not the way that it needs to be. There, there can be a much more positive spin put on this rather than what can't I do, it's how can we do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? I always loved that. Well, I had a, an old boss years ago um, who, who taught me a lesson in my journey that uh, still sticks with me a lot today. And you know, he'd given me a challenge. I thought it was an unfair challenge. And I told him that. And he said to me, Steve, don't tell me it can't be done. Tell me what we need to do to make it happen. Just tell me what we need to make it happen. And I went away with that mindset and rethought my whole attitude and came back to him with an outcome that was much, much better as a result of that change of mindset. So, now that's really, in a sense, um, your philosophy on life. That's yeah, what do we need of, to do to make it happen, yep. right? That's It's awesome. Yep, that's how you've got to live, really, because a lot of the time that, that you get the you can't or even, I'm not going to pretend anything here, a lot of the time it's I can't. Sometimes, you know, you get those doubts and you get those, 
those sort of feeling that maybe they're right. Are they right? Are they right this time? You know, have they have they got a point? And you really have to interrogate yourself on this quite a lot as well, as much as you do other people. You have to go, can I do something or can I call for something to be done to make this more doable for me? It's not, it, it definitely isn't just an external thing, for sure. That's interesting. It's a really, really important perspective because it is a dance, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And that dance um, varies from situation to situation. At the end of the day, we're trying to get people to open their minds, aren't we? Open their minds to change. Yes. That's that's what uh, progress is all about. It's so important. Talk to me a bit about accessible technology and your take on what is happening around that, because obviously there's more consciousness about this by companies like Zero Technology Companies and many others. Yep. How do you see that? Are you encouraged by how that's evolving? Oh, yes, for sure. We, we live in, to be honest, there is another line that I live by and that it is Honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better point in time up to now to be born with a vision impairment. And it's because we have so many new new things that have come out, even in the last five, ten years even, that have just made life so much, so much easier and so much more accessible to us. And technology is a major, major part of that. I'm, I'm a big technology user. You know, I, I use a laptop. I say that and a lot of people go, what? You know what I mean? Because they've just, they, they never hear of anyone who's who's blind using a laptop before you know they might have the idea of uh, a blind person using a brailler for sure because that's an established sort of it's a trope really but you know a lot of blind people don't like braille um as their primary medium i'm i'm one of those people i was using braille today but that was that's extremely rare for me there's only certain circumstances where i think personally for me and for what i need to use it for that it is the best choice I do prefer to use technology and I prefer to use screen reader and audio technology. And that has come so far in the last sort of 10, 15 years from where it started at that it, it just, not even from a point of view of voice quality, just in the amount of stuff that it can do with the AI image learning, for example, that a lot of companies are giving a go at now. And it's still really, it's still quite a new field. You know what I mean? The, the images can be so, so varied and so random even but they're getting better every day and it's allowing such a greater access level to people like myself who use technology and who use it to socialize or to you know run a business or to study i mean ultimately technology and the way it's advancing is about humanity increasingly you know because as um the domain of technology touches more aspects of life the human considerations in building a product and the way that it works require you to really understand the human element of it. So that's a, a great insight. Now you're studying or you've taken a break from studying a Bachelor of Science in Information Technology at the moment. What's happening What's and what's next for you? Um, I'm not too sure at the moment. I found that I didn't actually have the temperament for uh, technology and specifically the path that I was going to take for it with the, um, the programming side. I don't have the kind of, I suppose, the, the kind of mindset that allows me to look at the same error for about, you know, five different days <laughs> and not have it resolved. I tend to like to be, I like to be the ideas man, you know what I mean? The kind of person who comes up with a solution and can sort of help out with a lot of the stuff, but I, I need to be able to to move myself mentally, if you know what I mean, yeah, and go along with that. So that new train of thought every, I, I like to, I'm a, I'm a bit of a thought runner. <laughs> yeah, that's how I put it. I like my thoughts to be moving. I can't sort of sit on the same. I can chew on the same issue for a long time, but I can't go nowhere with it in my head. If you know what I mean, and that to me was what I found to be happening in programming 
this is just my my personal stance on it. I I think I like programming. I love the idea of it, and it's so good for us. But I just I don't think it's the right one for me personally. At this point, I'm still sort of working out where I'm going to go with it, what I'm going to do. But I can guarantee you one thing: it's going to be something. Or should be something that will enable me to continue the sort of work that I've done in benefiting other people and in uh, allowing them a greater level of access that they've just never had before. And the more I can do with that, honestly, the better because it's something that also affects me. And I'm I'm just I'm passionate about it. You know what I mean? I love seeing people be able to try new things and do new things and not even try new things that they didn't even think they would ever be able to try. It's such an important thing in my life and in my my experience to me. And that that's that's where I want to take take me. Well, you've already demonstrated many, many uh, attributes that uh, are going to uh, serve you incredibly well on that journey. And I think you've got it right, mate. The positive impact you can have uh, is is evident already at the stage of your life and um, so you've got a great head start in that domain. Hey, I think we'll wrap this up with just a few quick fire questions about you. Sure. In terms of sport, what is your favourite sport? Um, so I tend I tended to t- turn a bit more away from sport as I got a bit older. I got a bit more nerdy. <laughs> Even at the time when I was more active, I never really got sort of into that. I, I'm not really sure why. It's It's I think it's an imaging thing that I have. I know a lot of blind folks who do, but I just never seem to be able to imagine it to the degree that I'd like to be able to. And that's fascinating because that was something I was interested in. When you share how you imagine the world with others that have a similar impairment, how do you talk about that? Uh, To be honest, what you learn to do as a blind person trying to describe something to someone is try to find the common ground, try to find the sense that they work with the best and the one that you work with the best as in terms of where they would collide, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they would um, be the same sense and try to base it off that because it, it wouldn't be any good for me, for example, with who has a little bit of light perception to go down the corridor till you see the light turn left, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. they don't have any perception at all, I'd have to go down the corridor past a couple of doors that'll be on your left, there'll be three of those, and then you'll you'll feel a breeze coming at you from the left, and that's where you'd need to turn. So it's really about sort of finding the common ground. In terms of how do I see the world, that's really hard to describe because I've never seen it any other way. Yeah. So to be honest, the simplest answer I can give you is the way I see the world is just the way I do. <laughs> Good on you. That's a great answer. Favorite food? Oh, got to be tacos. Can't lie. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Favorite hobby? Hobby. Um, well, I have a couple that I'm that I'm. I sort of put equal weight on. I like to write. I like to do fiction writing when I can in my spare time. Uh, I do a lot of reading based off that as well because it gives me ideas and, and kickstarts the brain. And it's just it's really where I got the writing from. Is just being a reader. And well, I suppose this ties back to your earlier question about seeing the world. I can see the world very differently through the medium of a story. Uh, and I also like to do gaming and particularly role-play gaming for the same reason because then I can inhabit a character and, and make a character and try to think about how he might see the world and how he might think and do things. What about any particular leader or people you admire? You know, any Anyone that's inspired you as you've gone along on your journey? Um, I think the main inspiration for me throughout my journey is my mother um, because, as I said earlier, she was the one who, who taught me these values and taught me a lot of what made me me and a lot of you know who taught me to explore the world and see try to see things 
from a different way to how I would initially try to do that. Um, I had a lot of a lot of teachers as well who sort of taught me that same idea, and just even look. I, to be honest, I admire anyone who goes out of their way to try and see the world a different way than how they originally might, because it, it's not always the easiest thing to do, not at all, but it shows an extreme depth of even just judgment in yourself in a way to, to try and put your own biases and your own sort of, you, you really do need to put all the unconscious stuff aside and try to see it from a different way. So anyone who does that, you're awesome. Hey, Connor, thank you so much uh, for your insights. You are an inspiration, mate. Your drive, your compassion, what you've already accomplished in your life uh, is, is truly remarkable. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for the way that you engaged and inspired over 3,500 people today. Uh, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you and wish you all the very best for the future. You're going to have a great one. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been great. <laughs>